0: In the 20 years that I've been uh, running my own business, there's very few times that I haven't had uh, either a coach or a mentor. And I hope that's the same with you and your real estate investing business, because the benefit of having a good coach or mentor is multiplies the opportunities and the success that you're going to have in your business. But of course, it's a case of finding the right coach or the right mentor. And I can't say that I've always had that. Uh, and it's difficult to understand what makes a good coach or mentor, but when you come across somebody with over 50 years experience, you're going to sit up and take a little bit more notice. And my special guest this week is Joe Bodek. Joe boasts an extensive career in real estate that actually spans over five decades. He started in real estate in 1971. He's got a renowned expertise around creative real estate solutions. And he has a particular focus on the role of what he calls a transaction engineer. And Joe had, we have an interesting conversation around the myths of real estate investors and coaches in terms of mentors and coaches and kind of a general good discussion around how to leverage somebody's experience, what you can learn from people and the kind of people that you should be looking for as a coach or a mentor. So I think you're going to enjoy the episode and enjoy Have a fantastic day. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Content Marketing Podcast where we help you build a private following of investors to finance your next real estate investment project. We're here to show you how to create content that people can't ignore and that turns your real estate investing business into a standout success. In each episode, we'll explore the secrets of content marketing for real estate investors. We'll chat with smart people, give you useful tips and share success stories from others who've mastered content marketing in their real estate investing businesses. We'll cover topics like writing articles, blog posts, ebooks, video, podcasts, email, marketing, online education, social media, graphics and images, and of course, AI. If it's content, we'll have the experts and the insights you'll need. Whether you're learning to tell compelling stories, figuring out social media, or growing your real estate investing business through content, you're in the right place. And now, on with the show. Joe, thank you for uh, joining us today. Probably a good place to start, I think, is for you to to kind of tell us what you see as the difference between a coach and a mentor. Because I think that for a lot of people, that phrase or those things get crossed over sometimes. But I think there's a distinct difference probably, isn't there? Well, actually, I don't see
1: too much of a difference. Mentor kind of associates itself with retired guys that come back to schools to help the kids for free or... You know, maybe an uncle is mentoring his nephew or, you know, and and that, uh, that was always mentor to me, that kind of thing. But mentor coach is also, I think, in a professional vein, kind of the same thing. I mean, you're a mentor and a coach to me in when you're in a professional situation.
0: To me, they're the same. I don't distinguish any difference between them. Yeah, I think sometimes people see coaches as kind of trying to, to extract the in, information or extract the answer from you. They kind of open open questions, but they're not the ones that maybe give the information. Whereas I think, sometimes, at least I see sometimes, mentor is much more kind of buying the wisdom as much as the coaching. And yeah, if that may be true, I just always right. associate them. But like I say, I always thought
1: of a mentor to be a teacher. Okay, mm-hmm. but. In most instances, you know, they're coming in to show their expertise, you know, when they get right. to retirement age, they'll come back to a school or whatever and mentor kids to be good people or whatever it is right. that they're teaching. But I think when you're putting it into a professional kind of a situation, it, it, it's pretty much
0: the same thing. Right. And what, and what got you into that and what got you interested in that side of the business?
1: Well, what happened was I, I've been in the business since 1971. So I've been around a long time and I was getting ready to retire. And what happened was people were chasing me. How, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you do this? So I'm telling them how to do it. And I'm saying, well, I'm doing all this stuff for free. That's kind of dumb. So <laughs> I started a little mentoring program and I did that for about, oh, I don't know, 13 years or so. And I was getting ready to retire again. When one of my students came to me, he said, oh, no, you can't retire. I'm not going to let you retire. You got to coach. You got to coach. So we formed a company and I'm back at it again. But to be honest with right. you, it I can only play the guitar so many hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> what am I going to do if I retire? I'm going to sit here and I don't know what I'm going to do. So I enjoy it
0: and it keeps me going. Keeps right. me going. But that's how so, I'm still in it. So you've seen a lot of up and down markets then in the years you've been in in real estate what are you telling your students? What are you kind of advising now where we're seeing high interest rates, the short supply? What are the kind of things and tactics and strategies you're advising?
1: Well, the one thing you have to understand in, in creative real estate, which is different than traditional real estate or realtors, well, and, you know, you go to the bank and you borrow the money and you buy the house and you fix the house and you rent it out and, you, and then you get you know, equity build over the years. That's traditional real estate. And I did that. My, my dad was one of the biggest residential builders in the country back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So I was birthed into real estate. And what you have is that traditional real estate, that I learned through him, he was my first mentor, you know, building houses, developing ground, I ran seven apartment complexes for him, all that. That's traditional real estate, realtors, all that stuff. Creative real estate is completely different. So what we do is we fix problems. We're problem solvers. A guy buys a house. For whatever reason, he can't get rid of the old one. And it's driving him crazy. He's got two mortgages. He can't afford it. He's going to lose the new one if he doesn't do something, right? Well, we'll come in. And we'll do a lease auction or a subject to or a fix and flip or your owner financing or whatever the situation calls for, basically making him the buyer. We don't go to buyers, we make the yeah. owner the bank. Okay. And then we will lease auction lease it out or subject to the property out, whatever, and get him out from under that problem. Most of the people that we deal that we deal with are looking for debt relief. They're looking to get out from under a problem they have. So, that what I tell my students is that there's always, no matter what the market, up or down, seller's market, buyer's market, doesn't matter. There's always somebody out there that's screwed up and they got a problem that needs to be fixed. Realtors can't fix those problems. They don't know how. They're trained to, you know get people in their cars and take them to the house and fill out the contracts. That's what they do. salespeople. That's what they do. They're not investors. So that's what I tell my students is that no matter what the market is doing, you'll always make money because you're dealing with people that have a problem that need to be solved. And there are people that have
0: problems that need to be solved all the time, no matter what the market is. And that, that speaks to, I was, I was reading on, I think it was on your website, there's always six things that you can do with a property regardless. Is that? Mm-hmm. We teach six, actually seven,
1: but we teach yeah. uh, on the site or, or six different programs where you can work with a home. It, it, it right. just depends on the numbers and what you can do with it.
0: Right. But there's always, as you were saying, there's always, well, there's always people that have screwed up some of them and there's always yeah. opportunity. There's always See, opportunity.
1: You, you had asked me when we were talking just before we came on the air here about transaction engineers, you want me to address that now? I can do Please, that. Yeah. One of the things that investors do, and I was guilty of it as well. When I first, when I left traditional real estate, when my dad sold everything off and moved on down to Singer Island in Florida, I started over in creative real estate and one thing that people do, at least in my experience. They tunnel into one niche. They'll usually it's wholesaling. That's where most people start wholesaling. Right. So they'll go to wholesaling or they'll go to subject two or whatever it is, but they tunnel in to that one niche. Problem is that when you're soliciting prospects, you're getting all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, you're getting junkers, you're getting war zone properties, you're getting million-dollar properties, you're getting 500,000. You're getting all kinds of stuff, right? Well, the result is that they throw all these leads away. These are lead sheets that I have my students fill out on the property information. You get the property information. Now that this went over a good period of time, this is a while ago. Okay. This isn't recent. This is, oh God, it got to be 10, 15 years ago, at least if not more. But at any rate, you can right. see the pile here. These are all right. real. You can see there build out okay they're all real i'm not giving you a crop these are all deal uh, leads that came to me that i couldn't work with okay because i was a one trick pony
0: Uh, what
1: i did was whatever i needed when a deal came i didn't know how to do i went and found somebody to show me I, i went to a coach and teach me how to do this i paid him to do it and he taught me and the result for example was out of this big pie all right There's about 84 in here that I could go back and renegotiate because I now knew how to do different things. Okay. And the result was back in those days, I think the average is about $8,000 a shot. So you can do the math on that. And it didn't happen in one day, you know, took a couple of years. Okay. Right. But the point is, is that what we teach people is to stop throwing this stuff in the trash, Mm -hmm. learn how to deal with it. Okay, now, you're not going to get everyone, obviously, because I didn't get these. Okay. But I did get these. And this would have gone in the trash if I didn't become a transaction engineer. So, what we teach people is to become a real estate transaction engineer, know as many niches as you can. We make our programs custom to what, what they want to learn. Okay. What their needs are. If they want to learn three programs, we'll teach them three. You know, if they want to learn all six, we'll teach them all six. But the point is, it makes absolutely no sense to do all this hard work, get all these things and throw them in the trash, which is where they were, where they would go. Okay. So that's the meaning of a real estate transaction engineer. And most coaches teach one thing. That's all they teach, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that. But the the thing is, if you're in the real world. You're going to, you know, this property might lend itself for a subject too. This property might be a great wholesale lease option or a sandwich lease option. This won't be an owner, a, a type of owner financing. Well, if you don't know how to do that, you're just throwing them in the trash. Doesn't right. make any sense. So that's why we teach them to become a transaction engineer.
0: Right. And what are the mistakes people do when they go down that route? The students. It, 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 if they're not successful, what stops them from being successful? what stops a student from being successful out in the real world? Mm-hmm. Fear. They're afraid.
1: Okay. There's things you have to do that are very easy. One, one of the big ones is no. Most people that come into this business are coming from a nine to five job of some sort. Okay. And they're fed up and they want to go have their own business and so forth. Well, they don't hear no a lot when you're working for the boss, you know, go do your thing and give me the paperwork and go home and come back in tomorrow and do your thing again. They're not told no all the time. The fear of failure and the fear of no, are the two biggest things I have found that holds people back. They don't realize that the, the client or the prospect is not saying no to them. They don't even know that. It's not like they don't like them and they're saying no. They don't even know them. They're just talking to them for the first time usually. And they're just saying no to the offer. Okay. Well, people take it personally and say, oh, this guy's saying no. And the majority of the answers you're going to get are going to be no's. Okay. Because we work with about 10% of the market. 90% go to realtors or sell the house themselves. Right. That, other t- that 10% is millions of houses, don't get me wrong. Okay, tons and tons, but we work with about 10% and when you're soliciting them, the word no just freaks them out and after they get so many no's, they just got, I can't, you know, but you have to, for example, I found that for me to get a deal, it took about 25 prospects, okay, I would get a deal one out of 25 leads, that was pretty average for me. So I was getting 24 no's. I knew that right from the get-go, okay? Each no was worth money to me. If it was a $10,000 deal, okay? And, you know, I'd have to get, it would work out when I did the math to about $500 a no. If you do the math, if you're going to right. take a 24 and you're doing a $10,000 deal, right. you do the math, it's about $500, roughly a no. So the way I treat them is every no I get, that's great. I just made 500 bucks because when I get that $10,000 deal, it took me 24 no's, 24 500's to get there, if that makes any sense to you. Yep. Most totally. people look at it negatively. Oh, no, it's a no, it's a no, it's a no. I'll never hit a yes. Well, you want the no's. That's what's going to get you to the yeses. So hearing the word no and the fear of failure is the other one that I find most affects most people. They're just afraid to do stuff because they're afraid they'll fail at it. Okay? You can't do that. You got to go out and slop it up and just like anybody else does. And eventually you work your way through the slop and there you go. You know, so those are the two things I find that hold most people back that affect them so that they can't move forward.
0: And do you normally recommend your students start off kind of locally, geographically or, okay, so... Yeah, I always
1: recommend, you see, you can do the majority of these deals virtually. Okay. So you can, I'm in Philadelphia, I can do deals in, in California, California without ever leaving my desk, okay? Right. I'm not going to go into a whole dissertation on how you do it, but trust me, you can Okay. Yep. And if you can do them uh, virtually, that, that means that you never run out of people to talk to. You always have, you, you can go wherever you want to go, okay? Uh, And the original question
0: was? Uh, Initially, though, when you're kicking students off, do you find it's better to get them just to work locally? So what I tell people is you start where you are, wherever you
1: happen to be. Now, if you're in a really rural area and there's no houses there, you have to go to the nearest city, obviously. Okay. But you'll start there and then you just go out in concentric circles. You just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And then all of a sudden
0: you'll hit an area that's great. And then you'll get bigger and bigger. And that's what you need to do. Right. And when should somebody think about working with a coach or a mentor? Right from the get-go. That's my opinion. Okay. That's what I did.
1: I had to, though, because I was coming from traditional real estate. Right. Okay. That was my schooling. Right. And when you come into greater real estate, everything's opposite. Okay. I mean... People, they would tell me, don't worry about it. They'll give you the equity to the house. You can get the house. There's equity in it. The owner will give it to you. Now, I'm coming from an area where and I'm not going to give up a dime, okay, from traditional real estate. You can forget it, okay? I mean, you're going to pay, all right? Not true in in uh, creative real estate because the people have problems. And to be perfectly honest with you, in, in all the deals, that I did lots of them, hundreds, I would say that I only pay any cash up front to individuals. I, you count them on my hands. Okay. Really? Because I'm dealing with need to sell, not people that want to sell. People that need to sell are looking for debt relief. They want to get out from under a problem. They don't care about making any money. They just want this problem to go bye-bye. Whatever you can do to make it go bye-bye you're in. Okay. So, you know, I rarely gave, most I ever gave really was moving money just to get them out of the house. So they would go and I could do what I had to do, you know? Right, right.
0: And what, is, what are you seeing with technology? Obviously, you know, we probably can't have a conversation nowadays without mentioning AI, but how much of the role and the engineer role is now being able to leverage technology and because you, you were saying working remotely is a perfect example. Yeah, well,
1: they. Yeah, I'm not real big on AI. I like to do my own stuff personally. I don't see anything wrong with AI. I don't know that you need it for anything to be perfect. Unless you can't write, you know, sales. You know, if you can't, fine, use AI. I mean, there's people who come into business that are not great writers. So I can understand they could use that. As far as numbers and all that kind of, I wouldn't trust it. I do it in my head. I'm old school, what can I tell you? But I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I prefer to get a calculator and make sure I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay.
0: And what, what would be the recommendation somebody's thinking about? Well, I'd say, for example, we've got listeners, you know, we have a lot of listeners here in Canada and they're thinking of coming into the US market. What would be the first kind of two or three things that you'd recommend they do? I don't see your market all that much different
1: than our market, to be honest with you. If you're going to come down here, you'd probably do the same type of marketing you're doing up there. I don't think we all speak English. We're pretty much the same people, okay, you know, right. except you're a whole lot nicer than we are. So I would say if you're going to come in here, you do your marketing. Other than that, there's not really, I mean, I wish I could think of different something that's different. The, the only right. thing that might be different are some of the contracts and laws right. that that we operate under. Now that you, you're going to have to find out, you know, on your own, and that's just right. checking it out,
0: which you can right. do on the internet, right? Yeah. And and uh, another good reason why you should, you know, a coach or a mentor would help, kind of shortcut short for that. So, yeah, I
1: I had to learn a different methodology from what I knew because, as I say, I came through traditional real estate now I'm in creative. It's completely different. Mm -hmm. And they were telling me, as I said, they'll give you the equity to the house. And I thought they were all out of their minds. I really thought they were crazy. They do. Okay. They actually do. The first deal that I ever did, the lady gave me almost $30,000 in equity because she had such a big problem with this other house that she had bought. She just had to get rid of this thing. I mean, like, really fast or she was going down the tubes she didn't care she just said take the house take what i think it was like 20 some odd thousand dollars of equity in it just take the house just go it's exactly what she told me take the house please i'll never forget
0: that and where can people find out more about the services that you offer and what's the best place and best way to get hold of you
1: well the best you can get my email which would be j. The letter J, Bodek B-O-D-E-K, the number one at gmail.com. And if you want to check out our programs, because I have another partner, as I said, used to be one of my students, at executivementoring com. Okay. That's executivementoring1.com. That'll take you to our website. And that's the number one versus O-N-E. The number right. one. Yeah, one. Right. Just number one. And okay. if you're interested in, in mentoring of any kind, that's what we have there. So you
0: can check it out. Okay, wonderful. We'll make sure that is in the show notes. And uh, Joe, thank you for sharing some insights today. And I've learned a whole new term—the real estate transaction engineer. I love it. I think there you go, <laughs> and it and it speaks to what you're talking about, which is an, you know an engineer solves problems. That's what we do. That's the big difference that people have to understand.
1: If you're coming into creative real estate, you got to get your realtor brain put away somewhere because that's not what we do. We come in and go, "What's your problem?" Here's how we can solve it. You want us to do it? Great, let's do it. That's really how it works. Right.
0: Wonderful. Well, again, thank you, and have yourself a fantastic day.